morning to all of you. And today we are going to go back and do a little tour of the early church and talk about their singing. And to begin, I'd like to read a couple of verses from Ephesians 5. And Ephesians 5 begins this way. Be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Then he goes on and talks about things that are not part of the Christian life, uh, including specific sins and empty words, and that we should be careful who we spend our time with, And then in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Then he goes again to talk about being aware of the sin that surrounds you in the world and separating yourself from it. And as we heard not that long ago, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So he's painting a pretty clear picture here of what it was to be a Christian in those days and what it was to be a Christian in a world that was surrounded by all kinds of nastiness. Uh, Then, in number 18, because it gets interesting here. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? And being filled with the Spirit, instead of out there dancing and drinking and cavorting with all of your pagan neighbors, what you should be doing is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here is a perfect picture of a singing congregation. Submit to one another in the fear of God so that your voice isn't the loudest one in the room. But it's okay to be loud sometimes. And then, of course, he goes on to talk about marriage, doesn't he? This interesting jump from look out for the wine Instead, sing songs to the Lord and be thankful. And then, oh, as long as we're talking about submitting to one another, let's talk about the marriage relationship. It's a very interesting parade of thought. Sometimes we read Paul and you wonder if he was just sort of smattering things together, but there is a thought process that goes through this whole, whole beautiful section where he talks about singing. Now, in the early church, what did they sing? We certainly know that they sang things from the book of Psalms and also other canticles from the Old Testament that would have been part of the, of the Jewish tradition. Uh, then, when the, the scriptures, were probably even before the scriptures were written, some of these songs, the songs of Mary and Zechariah and uh, Simeon and the song of the angels, were certainly circulating and were already being used in worship. We also have sections in Paul's epistles that we identify as poetry, that either he wrote to, to give to the church to sing or that he was already pulling things in from what the church was singing, which either either way, of course, it doesn't. it's not less inspired if he was using texts that the church was already singing. Things were interesting then. We don't know that much about the music. 
We do know about the poetry. It was based on the, 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 the poetry of the Psalms. So it wasn't rhyming poetry like we have today. But it was imitated then by the early church. Certainly the songs from the book of Revelation, as soon as uh, that, that came out in print, people were singing them. Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And they continued to sing that until Handel put it to music and then we don't sing it anymore because why even try after that? Uh, we're going to look first at hymn number 312. Stanzas 2 and 3. Now, this is not necessarily a text that would have been sung by the Christians, but it's a very old text that is... Uh, the, uh, the poet has done a good job here of praising, paraphrasing this text that comes to us from the, this collection of things called the Didache, the Teaching of the Apostles, which actually was written around the year 100. So it's, it's an old text. Stanzas 2 and 3 are a prayer that was a model prayer to be used uh, at, the, at the sacrament of the altar, a prayer of thanksgiving. Of course, the Greek word for thanksgiving, Eucharist, is one of the names we use to talk about the Holy Communion. So we're going to sing stanzas two and three and pay attention to how the images of the, 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 the making of the bread and the, the making of the wine and how those are all pictures of the community in Christ working and worshiping together.
Turn next, please, to 572. This text has found its way into regular usage in a lot of uh, liturgies of the modern church, uh, sometimes referred to as the lamp lighting hymn, joyous light of glory, or hail gladdening light. In this case, the translation you see is uh, from the uh, late 19th, early 20th century. And this was a hymn text that was used both in the home and in public worship when people would gather in the evening. Uh, obviously, in those days, you didn't flip the switch to turn the lights on at night. So the lighting of the candle was a very important thing because that was light in the darkness of the nighttime. And what the church does here is it takes that lighting of the candle and symbolically reminds us that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And uh, it's, uh, it's a text that also reflects on the Trinity. Because this is something, again, the word Trinity doesn't show up in the Bible, does it? but it's the cornerstone of who we are as Christians. It's just an absolutely fundamental teaching. And uh, so we start to see that coming into these early hymns, not as much as in the fourth century when everybody in the world was fighting about the Trinity. Then we have a lot of really wonderful Trinitarian texts that show up because it was if you're going to destroy heresy and sin, you just sing it out of people. Or you sing it into people, too. Two-edged sword. So let's stand and do Oh Gladsome Light.
Turn next now to a hymn that's very appropriate for St. Advice Day. And it is 183. Also from this same era. And another Greek hymn. It's kind of funny, all three hymns this morning, the melodies all came to us from the Reformed tradition. That, that first one uh, with the wonderful French name, Rendez et Dieu. And the second one, Nunc Dimittis, that comes to us from Bourgeois' hymn book, John Calvin, yay, loved it. And, and this one, 183 Monksgate, is by one, a really important composer in the 20th century, Rafe von Williams, gave us a lot of beautiful music. Uh, in terms of his religious sentiment, he was, he was at best an Anglican agnostic, sad, for all the saints who from their labors rest. Gave us that melody. Guy wasn't there. But anyway, maybe, maybe by accident, by the grace of God, he will be. So, Master of Eager Youth. This is a, the a picture here is of a, of, a, of a horse having a bridle in its mouth, being ridden and going where it's supposed to go. So let's do that in honor of St. Advice Day, and let's stand up. This is a very angular tune. It's a great one. Um,
So now as we have sung together, may the Spirit of Christ fill our hearts so that we indeed do submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Go forth in your daily walk. Amen.